Welcome to Pearl Diving, a Knitter's Pillowcast. Episode 25, The Gift of the Magi. One dollar and eighty-seven cents. That was all. And sixty cents of it was in pennies. Pennies saved one and two at a time by bulldozing the grocer and the vegetable man and the butcher until one's cheeks burned with the silent imputation of parsimony that such close dealing implied. Three times Della counted it, one dollar and eighty-seven cents, and the next day would be Christmas. There was clearly nothing to do but flop down on the shabby little couch and howl. So Della did it, which instigates the moral reflection that life is made up of sobs, sniffles, and smiles, with sniffles predominating. O. Henry's story, The Gift of the Magi, is one of my favorites. I have been Della. I've had those periods of prosperity followed by a shrinking or non-existent income of the exact type that caused the James Dillingham Youngs to seriously consider contracting that grand middle name down to a D. And, like Della, I've pinched pennies for months. I've had expenses greater than I calculated for. O. Henry was right. Twenty dollars a week doesn't go far. Expenses are greater than you can calculate for. They always are. Like Della, I've spent many a happy hour planning some nice present for my husband, something fine and rare, something worthy of being owned by him. And like Della, I've ended up with something not too far off from a dollar and eighty-seven cents with which to buy a Christmas present. So I've always been touched by Della and Jim's story, by the willingness to sacrifice something you hold dear in order to have something, anything wonderful, to give to the person you love best in the world. However, I can't help wondering how the story would have ended if O'Henry had been a knitter or had one in his life. two possessions of the James Dillingham Youngs in which they both took a mighty pride. One was Jim's gold watch that had been his father's and his grandfather's. The other was Della's hair. Had the Queen of Sheba lived in the flat across the air shaft, Della would have let her hair hang out the window some day to dry, just to depreciate Her Majesty's jewels and gifts. Had King Solomon been the janitor, with all his treasures piled up in the basement, Jim would have pulled out his watch every time he passed, just to see him pluck at his beard from envy. So now, Della's beautiful hair fell about her rippling and shining like a cascade of brown waters. It reached below her knee and made itself almost a garment for her. And then she did it up again nervously and quickly, once she faltered for a minute and stood still while a tear or two splashed on the worn red carpet. On went her old brown jacket, on went her old brown hat, with a whirl of skirts and with the brilliant sparkle still in her eyes, she fluttered out the door and down the stairs to the street. 
where she stopped the sign read, Madame Sophronie, hair goods of all kinds. One flight up, Della ran and collected herself, panting. Madame, large, too white, chilly, hardly looked the Sophronie. Will you buy my hair? I buy hair. Take your hat off and let's have a sight at the looks of it. Down rippled the brown cascade. Eh, twenty dollars. Give it to me quick. Oh, and the next two hours tripped by on rosy wings. Forget the hashed metaphor. She was ransacking the stores for Jim's present. She found it at last. It surely had been made for Jim and no one else. There was no other like it in any of the stores, and she had turned all of them inside out. When Della reached home, her intoxication gave way a little to prudence and reason. She got busily to work, and when she was done, she got out her curling irons and lighted the gas, and went to work repairing the ravages made by generosity added to love. Which is always a tremendous task, dear friends. A mammoth task. Within forty minutes, her head was covered with tiny, close-lying curls that made her look wonderfully like a truant schoolboy. She looked at her reflection in the mirror long, carefully, and critically. If Jim doesn't kill me before he takes a second look at me, he'll say I look like a Coney Island chorus girl. But what could I do? Oh, what could I do with a dollar and eighty-seven cents? At seven o'clock, the coffee was made, and the frying pan was on the back of the stove, hot and ready to cook the chops. Jim was never late. Della sat on the corner of the table near the door that he always entered. Then she heard his step on the stair away down on the first flight, and she turned white for just a moment. She had a habit of saying a little silent prayer about the simplest everyday things, and now she whispered, Please, God, make him think I am still pretty. The door opened, and Jim stepped in and closed it. He looked thin and very serious. Poor fellow, he was only 22, and to be burdened with a family. He needed a new overcoat, and he was without gloves. Jim stopped inside the door, as immovable as a setter at the scent of quail. His eyes were fixed upon Della, and there was an expression in them that she could not read, and it terrified her. It was not anger, nor surprise, nor disapproval, nor horror, nor any of the sentiments that she had been prepared for. He simply stared at her fixedly with that peculiar expression on his face. Della wriggled off the table and went for him. Oh, Jim, darling, don't look at me that way. I had my hair cut off and sold because I couldn't have lived through Christmas without giving you a present. It'll grow out again. You won't mind, will you? I, I just had to do it. My hair grows awfully fast. Say Merry Christmas, Jim, and let's be happy. You don't know what a nice, what a beautiful, nice gift I've got for you. You've cut off your hair? Cut it off and sold it. Don't you like me just as well, anyhow? I'm me without my hair, ain't I? Y you say your hair is gone? You needn't look for it. It's sold, I tell you. Sold and gone, too. It's Christmas Eve, boy. Be good to me, for it went for you. <laughs> Maybe the hairs on my head were numbered, but nobody could ever count my love for you. Shall I put the chops on, Jim? Out of his trance, Jim seemed quickly to wake. He enfolded his Della. For ten seconds, let us regard with discreet scrutiny some inconsequential object in the other direction. Eight dollars a week or a million a year, what is the difference? A mathematician or a wit would give you the wrong answer. The Magi brought valuable gifts, but that was not among them. This dark assertion will be illuminated later on. Jim drew a package from his overcoat pocket and threw it upon the table. Don't make any mistake, Dell, about me. 
I don't think there's anything in the way of a haircut or a shave or shampoo that could make me like my girl any less, but if you'll unwrap that package, you might see why you had me going a while at first. Jim, the combs, the tortoiseshell combs. Oh, I never thought I'd have such beautiful combs, and now oh, my hair grows so fast, Jim. Oh, oh, I almost forgot your present. Oh, Della. It's a beautiful uh, pair of socks. Aren't they dandy, Jim? I hunted all over town to find just the right yarn. Here, sit down and put them on. Del, let, let's put our Christmas presents away and keep them a while. But don't you want to put your socks on? I worked all afternoon on them. Don't you like them? Oh, I do, Della, I do. But, you know, I, I was kind of hoping for a silver watch fob. But, Jim... They're not just any socks. I searched all over town to find just the right yarn, just the perfect thing. Jim, they're socks that rock. I suppose it doesn't really matter anyway, seeing as I sold the watch to get the money to buy your combs and... Well, I suppose you put those chops on. Oh, I'll put the chops on. You, you, you... Ow! Uh... Uh, Della, do you think maybe you could knit me an ice pack? Magi, as you know, were wise men, wonderfully wise men, who brought gifts to the babe in the manger. They invented the art of giving Christmas presents. Being wise, their gifts were no doubt wise ones, possibly bearing the privilege of exchange in case of duplication. But the wisest gift givers at Christmas? Those who perhaps unwisely sacrifice the greatest treasure in their stashes, who spend the time to create something to bring warmth to those they love. Of all who give and receive gifts, such as they are wisest. Everywhere they are wisest. They are the knitters. Helping me out today were Sage Turtle of Quirky Nomads, Bruce Murray of the Zedcast, and 
my tech guy, Rob Lee, who is always happy to find a pair of hand-knit socks underneath the Christmas tree. As always, information and links can be found in the show notes at www.pearldiving.com. And I hope you have a very merry, very happy, very safe holiday season. Ciao for now. That was a real cast iron frying pan, too. Well, I guess if he's from New York, it should be more like, Della! Uh, you, you, you cut off your hair. What's up with that? Bring me a beer, will you? <laughs>